Welcome to the 3-0 edition of Great Takes Less Filling. I am, again, not Goeyufer or Chris. This is U Street. And with me today in the Great Takes Less Filling booth, we have Blake, Iowa Gopher. Happy to be here. You know, Chris has got some big shoes to fill, but hopefully I can uh, pull through here. Well, to be fair, Chris is also about seven feet taller than you, so we would assume his shoes would be harder to fill. That's true. I mean, we'll keep that in mind. So we're 3-0 right now, uh, we being because you and I are obviously integral members of the University of Minnesota football team. What did you think of the game today? Uh, you know, they won. That's the most important thing. Um, I obviously, wasn't as probably not the blowout that everyone wanted, um, but, I mean, they did enough to win, which is more than you can ask. And in these type of games, you don't want very many injuries, which in this case, depending on how Zach Anixet is, um, it's either not too bad or very bad, so... I'm, I'm, yes, on the was it the first play of the game? Uh, was that the first play? I know it was the first drive. Um, first drive of the game, certainly. You can tell we were we were watching it very closely at the very beginning. For those who did not see the game but are listening to this podcast, Zach Anixted, uh, his offensive line again tried to kill him today, and this time Miami of Ohio was successfully able to badly injure his ankle, necessitating both uh, him limping off, as well as uh, having his ankle heavily taped. And it's somewhat unclear as to the severity of that particular injury. Yeah, I think they had they had three sacks on the day. I think Miami of Ohio did, and yeah, the offensive line was just the pass protection was just not there. Um, and it, it's especially bad when you only have basically two quarterbacks in the roster essentially, and your best one is obviously getting knocked around a lot. That's really not going to cut it moving forward, especially in Big Ten play, um, let alone against Miami of Ohio. Nonetheless, Annex dead on the day, 12 for 20 for 142 yards. And if we're being quite honest, it should have been probably closer to about, I think, 12 for 16. His wide receivers dropped several passes, uh, most notably Tyler Johnson. But fortunately for us, and we can transition into our Necton of the Weeks, because I believe Blake has one that will come up pretty shortly. Uh, Tyler had himself a hell of a game, didn't he? He did. Uh, I think nine receptions, 130-some receiving yards and three touchdowns. I mean, and basically all the Gophers to offensive touchdowns um i mean one more can you ask for we already knew tyler was good this is actually the second three touchdown game of his career i think last season it was um against michigan state but obviously this one um a little bit better but uh yeah i mean i I would have to imagine he's in the running for big 10 offensive player of the week um it was just a great performance aside from i know he had a couple drops during the game but i can't really argue with two drops versus three touchdowns a pretty good ratio One of the things that I noticed as well, and it's obviously still a little bit early in his career, but at this point, if I recall, Tyler Johnson may be as good, if not better, than Eric Decker. What is your assessment of that? Yeah, that was the first thing I thought of when, I think when he caught his second or third, I was like, wow, the Gophers have not had a receiver like this since Eric Decker. Um, I think it was, was it Decker's junior year that he broke out i'm trying to think of how many years he yes it was his junior year so i mean it's and obviously with tyler last year he was he kind of broke out as a sophomore but um, i think he's got the potential to be better than eric decker um, i don't know that we ever saw like decker stealing because he's obviously um injured later in his career um, at minnesota and he was coached by um he who must not be named um and i'd like to believe tyler johnson has uh, a better coaching staff um to kind of coach up his talent but i think that the ceiling for him is a lot higher than Decker. I don't know if he's quite past it to this point, but he's certainly, the trajectory looks like he's going to surpass him. My Necton of the Week begins with an apology. <laughs> I'm very sorry, Jacob Herbers, that last week Chris and I said that you were not a weapon 
and that punting was going to be a massive struggle for the team this year. And therefore, not only do I award you the Necton of the Week, I also award you the Race to Maturity, which is usually freshman only, but since it is the first time Jacob Herbers is punting for the team, I think it's reasonable to apply it as well. Herbers had himself a game. We're about to get very on-brand Big Ten style when discussing this. He had six punts for 256 yards, which is averages out to about 43 yards a punt. Four of those punts were inside the 20, and I believe three of them of those were inside the 10, including one on the two-yard line that it was such a gorgeous backspin bounce straight into the air, such that it looked as if we had an All-American punter, as opposed to the punter of last week, who was somewhat of an open question if he could punt the ball more than 30 yards. I don't know where it came from, I don't care. It was amazing. It was excellent. Jacob Herbers, uh, you had yourself a game. I honestly, I honestly hope they give him the game ball. Well, and didn't he, one of the punts lead to a safety too? It did indeed. The punt that put them on the two, the first, the second of two punts that put them inside the five yard line. The <laughs> Miami of Ohio running back was charitably said <laughs> on the highlight reel that he tripped over his quarterback, but I'm fairly certain that he tripped over air and fell into the end zone for a safety. Yes. So without Jacob Herbers, Jacob Herbers is directly responsible for two additional points. Yeah. I mean, what a turnaround from those first two games. So yeah, he definitely well-deserving of a game ball, in my opinion. Carpenter also, Jacob Herbers uh, held a successful field goal as well. So without Jacob Herbers, that's five points off the board. Oh, there you go. It's you know twenty one to three rather than twenty six. I think the other thing that I I look at this game and that I think is a struggle and we touched on it earlier, so we can probably touch on it a little bit again now is uh, the offensive line is going to kill their quarterback this year. How worried are we when we go to Big Ten play? Because you you may be unaware, Blake, because you were manning the Gopher Twitter account, the Daily Gopher Twitter account today, uh, but the Big Ten did not do tremendously well. You know, this Saturday. Yeah, I saw this morning, especially um, a lot of teams. I don't know how the afternoon games went. I know, I know how one afternoon game in particular went, um, and, I'm, and I'm pretty happy about that one. Um, but they had the morning. I think you know, Nebraska lost to Troy. Maryland lost to Temple. Rutgers lost. Uh, got blown up by Kansas. Um, not a great day for the Big Ten. So there is some something to be said about the Gophers taking care of business. But uh, I mean, if we're talking about the offensive line, I am still very nervous um, with how poorly they've performed especially in in uh, pass blocking because i mean as as i mentioned earlier zach anikad is the quarterback and we got a little preview of what tanner morgan's like today and i wouldn't say it was the most successful outing although i don't it's hard to gauge you know when he comes in in garbage time in the fourth quarter um but yeah if they can't keep zach anikad healthy and he's hobbled the rest of the year i just don't think that's going to lead to a lot of success in the passing game because especially if it's his left foot that's his plant foot um and we saw a lot of his deep throws um especially today, I mean, that hasn't been a strike this season, but especially today, um, we're off by at least a step or two. So, I mean, it's just of paramount importance that he stays healthy, and I'm not sure that I'm confident the offensive line can do that at this very moment. Yeah, transition transitioning to those deep throws, one of the things that is exciting about this offense is that for the first time in several years, there appears to be someone who can throw a football. So that's nice and do so consistently. It's also very clear that having better wide receivers who can get open and aren't just uh, around because they can run block has been helpful. The key point that the offense is missing, as Blake mentioned, is they don't currently have a deep passing game. 
and they probably should because Tyler Johnson is a great target and Rashad Bateman will be an excellent target. This is the second game of this season where they looked for him deep and couldn't connect and the reason they couldn't connect was in part because the throw was just not there. This time I think that throw was heavily influenced by the fact that every time Anikstead put his foot down it probably shot pain throughout his entire body so I'll give him that one. But I think part of the reason Anikstead was picked over Morgan was in part because of his ability to deliver intermediate and deep throws. And if Anikstead can't deliver deep throws at a certain point, if you're a defense, you might just be willing to give that particular ball and make him earn it and maybe stick another defender in the box. The other part that I hope to change going forward to Big Ten season because we're at the point with 3-0, the Big Ten doesn't look amazing this year. It is plausible that the Gophers can still contend for a bowl game. They only need to pick up three wins. It's at the moment plausible that you might even be able to find a fourth game that they could win in Big Ten play, depending on how you feel about other teams right now. Anikstead, at the moment, if he's not handing the ball off, has one read and will just sit on that read, eyes and everything, the entire time. And that, to me, is a little bit worrisome. I don't think it's, in the grand scheme of things, something that's unfixable, obviously. And it's certainly a freshman thing, so I expect it to be corrected. But that's the one other thing that I noticed today. On the third touchdown to Tyler Johnson, which was a great catch and an incredible throw through, I think, triple coverage into a window that was probably about six inches. Part of the reason the window was only about six inches is that everyone in the stadium knew that Zach <laughs> Anikstead was throwing a slant route to Tyler Johnson. Well, that's, yeah, that's been one of his big things, too, is locking in on his first uh, read and not moving on to his second and third uh, with, with NSA especially. I mean, he's a true freshman. That's going to happen. But, I mean, if he just keeps staring down those receivers or, I mean, just keeps going to Tyler Johnson, whether he catches it or not, um, teams are going to key in, key in on that, and that's not going to work out for him in the long run. Did you have a Necton of the week on defense? Um, I would say I was – Pretty happy with Carter Coughlin. I think he had two sacks in the game. Not sure how many tackles, but it was just nice to see um, them get pressure, especially early in the game. They kept uh, Gus Raglan, the Miami's quarterback, uh, on on the uh, what am I trying to say? On his heels most of, for most of the game. So um, that was good to see. It's a little disappointing that you know he's considered the undersized defensive end, um, but yet he's the one that's getting the closest pressure to the quarterback. So I would I was kind of hoping to see more from. Um, the other side of the defensive line, but it just hasn't been there yet. Um, but I was pretty happy with his performance today. I, I think there's a lot of good performances, um, but no one I think really stood out that much to me. Did Was there someone that uh, caught your attention? But Thomas Barber uh, definitely wrecked extreme violence onto a variety of different Miami of Ohio players. But I think purely for what the consequence of it was, I'm going to give the nectar of the week to Antonio Chenault who intercepted a pass today and returned it with some very silky moves to split at least two or three tackles before finally being tackled. That set up uh, the final score for the Govers that really put it out of the out of hand. And I think one of the things that's nice for Antonio Schnold, he certainly has a lot of leadership capabilities. There has been an open question as to whether or not Antonio Schnold is necessarily the best person to play that position. So it's always good to see someone who's competing on the roster, especially an upperclassman who's fighting younger players come up and make big plays in big moments. And that I think was definitely a key moment. So I would give it to Antonio Schnold. And that was the first interception of his college career too. Look at that. Out of way. Nice job, Antonio. Well, one of the things uh, that I'll close before we close this podcast, kind of looking forward, 
they're three and zero. Did you expect them to be three and zero when the season started? Um, I'll be honest, and I'll say no. I thought Fresno State was going to be the one that tripped them up. I mean, I predicted last week before the game that they were going to lose um, a close one, but um, they were just impressive on defense um, against Fresno State and shut down an offense that I thought was going to be pretty formidable. Um, so yeah, I'm a little surprised that they're three and zero. But again, it's you know I don't think they've faced a Big Ten cal- caliber opponent, depending on how you feel about Fresno State. So there's still a lot of uncertainty in how I feel about where they'll end up on the Big Ten hierarchy. But, um, I mean, you can't complain about 3-0. Have you sort of reestablished new expectations for the team, given what you saw today and given that they're now 3-0? Um, I still I, – my I guess my measuring stick going into the season was I thought that, that the next step forward was going to be a bowl team, and I thought that somewhere in their schedule there's going to be six wins – um, I still think that's a realistic expectation, especially at three and zero. Last season, we saw how tough it was for them to get that sixth win, um, which they obviously never did. Um, but I, I think this year, the Big Ten especially is not as good as they were last year, maybe. Um, so there's a lot of weaker opponents on the schedule, and I think Minnesota just talent-wise is better, if maybe not as experienced um, across the board. But uh, I'm kind of interested to see how they do against Maryland. That to me is going to be the big test. Like you remember last year, we were big on how the defense performed those first three games they're three you know and then things kind of collapsed from there especially with losing antoine winfield so i kind of maryland to me will be their first like real test and I'm, that's when i'll kind of depending on how that game goes i might recalibrate my expectations but right now i'd say the the two formative words are cautious optimism well if there isn't anything more minnesota gopher fan than that i suppose cautious pessimism perhaps but cautious optimism is always preferable to cautious pessimism and on that note, we're very excited for you joining us. We're obviously thrilled that the University of Minnesota is 3-0. Have a fantastic time celebrating this win. We will be back next week for the Sky U podcast to preview our next opponent, which is who, Blake? The Maryland Terrapins. So get ready for a lot of Old Bay jokes. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Go Gophers. Row the boat. Sky U Mock.